You're listening to the Digital State of Mind podcast with your host, Jessica Hawks, where we get honest about all things entrepreneurship, balancing life and business, and navigating the world in a digital age. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Digital State of Mind podcast. I am super excited for today's episode because we have Carolina Pilar on. Carolina and I actually met way back when she was one of the first people that I had a strategy call with, and then she also went through DCA. We were just thinking about it, and I think it was around the end of 2020 whenever she went through DCA. And then Carolina is also a co-coach in Digital Creatives Academy now, so a very full circle moment, and she has a lot of insight for us because Carolina was working full-time in a nine-to-five when she found the online space, and I know that that's something that a lot of people struggle with or think about or it's something that holds them back from starting their own business online. So I think this is going to be a really awesome episode for those of you who feel that way. So Lena, why don't you go ahead and start us off with just telling us your story, how you grew up, um, what it was like, you know, being in a nine to five and how you kind of found your career that way and how you found the online space. Although I say nine to five, you weren't really in nine to five. (laughs) It was way different than that. But you'll definitely definitely felt like restrained in that corporate world still, yeah, before I was a VA. So, yeah, I mean, first off, thank you for having me. And going back, way back, I would say I so I was actually born in Peru. And I immigrated to the United States when I was six years old. My grandparents were the first generation in our family to come to the United States. And the real reason they came is so that their kids and so that their kids' kids and following generations would uh, have the quote-unquote American dream. And so coming to the United States, um, going through my – my foundation years, elementary school, because I started second grade here. Um, I think there was a lot of pressure put on myself and my brothers and my cousins um, that came here at that age because the reason on why we came here, again, having that American dream, they there was expectations, high expectations to do really well in school, to follow the social norms, get a degree, go to college get a corporate job. And that really stuck with me throughout my learning years of middle school, high school. I then, especially in elementary school and middle school, I now realize that I also went through a lot of mental health things, a lot of anxiety, depression, and that really stuck with me throughout middle school and high school. And I even took it into college, going into starting college, because I think that I was just in this mindset of I am not doing enough or I need to be I need to be doing more I am not good enough and though that can be really like mindset go trying to do school with your mindset and your mental health not doing well it can be really taunting it can be really really um you can essentially have a bad experience And I was also really painfully shy because I dealt through some mental health and bullying in middle school, elementary school. So I became really, really shy. And I think those characteristics, trying to start college and trying to figure out what I wanted to do, it was just really hard. So school and I, we never really got along, but, um, but I pushed through it, and at, when I started to do college, I start. I went to a community college, my local one, and I, at first, like I said, I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but I started a job that I was uh, 
doing full time was like my first official job. It was front desk. We called guest relations coordinator. It was a salon and spa. I stayed there for seven years. And in doing so in the first couple of years, I think that's what got me into business because uh, I did front desk for a little while. And then I started after a couple of years, I became a manager. I worked one-on-one with the business owner. I did the hiring process. And so I was realizing, okay, like the business side of things, administration, I am loving. So finally I was like, okay, I know what I want to do in college. I want to get a business degree. I was still finishing my associates. And I, I don't know if I've told you this story, but I went into a college counselor and during when I was trying to get my associates. And like I said, me in school never really did well. I wasn't really, you know, I never really excelled. And she saw how bad my grades were, but I knew I wanted to push through it. I was like driven. I was excited that I finally knew what I want to do. So I went to this counselor to help me map out, okay, like how can I get from here to there? And then she basically told me because of my grades and because of where I was at, that I should consider a different path that I should not go into business and that I should um, think about doing something else. I was distraught, like fully just so upset, went home crying, like basically in my mind was like someone just told me that I couldn't do what I wanted to do. And I was distraught, but then I pushed through it and I was like, I could just take her advice and not do what I wanted to do, or I could take action. So I started working a second job. So I was working a second job, part-time, a full-time job. I was going from a 7 a.m. shift to a 7 to 4 p.m. shift straight into a 6 p.m. to 1 a.m. shift and working two full-time jobs to pay for college classes to help me. Like I knew I had to take these extra courses to help bump up my GPA, but that's what I was doing for working full-time jobs. And two years later, I got my associates in business. And then I was pretty tired after that. (laughs) So I decided to take a break and continue working full-time. And then I went into after seven years of working at the salon spa doing some management, I went into business some administration work at a med spa. Um, and in the back of my head, I had always wanted to be a flight attendant. So for me, I, business was still there, but for me, I'd always wanted to live the life of a flight attendant. And I mean, fast forward, I made that jump. I decided to become a flight attendant and I left the official nine to five, but I didn't leave the corporate world. So I left the nine to five because I knew that I was like, okay, I don't want to be in an office that I felt like my soul was getting sucked out of me being in an office in the cubicle. So I went into a flight attendant and I started that at beginning of 2020. So I know 2019 October is when I graduated November 2019, when I graduated from flight attendant. And I started flying at the end of December, beginning January. So that was like beginning COVID. And I honestly, I think back and would I have experienced being a flight attendant not during COVID? Would I have started this business venture? I don't know. Because basically I was throughout doing volatility throughout COVID, I was in isolation a lot of times. Like I would go through, uh, do my flights, go to back to hotel, be in a hotel, not go anywhere um, because, you know, I didn't, I wanted to go home and be with my husband and not, you know, I was scared. We were all scared and I was flying full time. And it was just, it really took a toll on me. It took a toll on my mental health. I was content, but I wasn't happy. So fast forward to August of that year of 2020, when I saw your TikTok and I found out what the virtual assistant world was. And it's just, it all of, I explain all that because it really all led to where I am now. And 
again, business has always been the back of my head. And even with flight attendant, I never, my goal was never to just be a flight attendant. I thought like, Hey, I want to do flight attendant. I want to go into flight attendant. Like I want to train other flight attendants. I want to become a lead flight attendant. I want to go into like the corporate flight attendant, you know, because again, I want to go to the business side of things in for an airline. So that was always my goal, but it just became to be too much. I had no control of my schedule. I had no control of uh, my time of basically, I, I just felt like I had no control of my life um, when I was doing what I was doing. So. Yeah. I've, I never knew that you even had your associates in business first off. And I didn't know that there was such a big kind of buildup to you becoming a flight attendant. I also didn't know that you had started right as the pandemic was happening because, I mean, I can't even imagine what that would be like. Obviously, so many people were laid off and that's such a, you're doing the exact opposite of what we were all at that time told to do, which was, you know, yeah. stay home, don't travel. And then you're kind of throwing yourself into that. Um, can you walk us through kind of what, well, first off, what is kind of like the average salary for a flight attendant and what, what does that kind of look like as far as schooling goes as well leading up to it? Yeah. So each airline has their own training. So there's, I think there's things as flight attendant school, but you don't really do that. You just go to the airline that you want to work for, you interview for them, and then they have their own training program. So I worked for a um, not, I worked for SkyWest and the airline I worked for uh, was contracted with all the main, main major airlines like Delta United, American Alaska. And so I did training in Salt Lake City for about a year, a year, sorry, a month. <laughs> a month and a half. Um, and, and I did that in Salt Lake city. And so that's kind of like the process you go through. So there's no really school. You just go to the airline and the starting rate for the airline that I was working for was $18 an hour. And they had a pay scale where every year you would grow, you know, your pay scale and you can get paid up to, um, I don't know, I think like $30 an hour. But if you worked for a major airline, such as like Delta, United, all of those, then you'd start at the pay rate of $30 an hour and you can scale up to 60 or your your pay would up to 60. But again, that 60 is like if you stay with the airline for 12 years. <laughs> so it's not like a couple of years. It's like you got to be really, you really invested, invested in there. Right, right. And uh, what was that? Was that something that you like really loved doing? I know you were only in it for a couple of months before the pandemic really started, but was that something you would kind of maybe had in the back of your mind for a long time? Or how did you kind of decide that you wanted to become a flight attendant? Yeah, my mom was a flight attendant when I was in, when I was living in Peru. And so she was my inspiration because I remember she I was two, three, when I might remember these things and she would come home and would tell us about her experience and how much she loved it. And she knew anyone that knew me growing up, up until I became a flight attendant, knew that that was my dream job. Um, and so when I decided to go into flight attendant, I felt like I really manifested it because I watched so many YouTube videos. I did uh, I applied for as many as I could. I really practiced for the interviews because the interview process are really can be really intense. You go through like four interviews um, to even just get um, considered, <laughs> basically. Um, and so I've known I wanted to do it for a long time. And again, it was because I know I didn't want to stick to that nine to five. I wanted this lifestyle of quote unquote freedom of flying, traveling. I love traveling. So it just really seemed like the ideal job for me. And I'm also really good customer service. So I loved working with different people. When I got into it and during COVID, um, it was just this experience where it, I wasn't 
only trying to adjust to this lifestyle of being a flight attendant, but I was trying to adjust to the lifestyle that we were all trying to adjust to during COVID. And so with that, I it got to the point where at the end of my flight attendant career, I just felt like I was babysitting adults because people wouldn't wear their masks. And I was so focused on making sure everyone was, you know, um, wearing their mask and just following COVID protocols and, and this and that. And so I felt like it just wasn't the experience that I think I would have gone if it wasn't during COVID. And again, I like look back, I'm like, you know, maybe I probably would have stuck with it. But honestly, at the end of the day, I knew that if I would have stuck with that airline that I was working for, it would have been years before I got the seniority and the actual freedom that I wanted um, of creating my own schedule and working remote and all of that. And so I think that it was, I'm glad I did it. I, it was fulfilling and I'm so happy I don't have to look back and be like the what if because I've been wanting to do that for so long. But essentially when I was doing flight attendant and virtual assistant at the same time for the last four months of being a flight attendant, I just knew my my gut, my passion. I just knew that it was towards my my owning my own business. And like I, my heart knew where it was wanting to go versus where it was at. Yeah, I love your story because I feel like there's a lot of people, myself included, who kind of found the online space when they were really confused about what their future was going to look like or they were at a pivotal moment where they had to decide if they were going to go to college or not go to college or if they wanted to kind of stay in the job that they had. And, you know, for me, obviously, I dropped out of college and the nine to five that I had, I knew that wasn't my long term. But I think it's really interesting to see the flip side of that when people have gone through college or gotten a degree or, you know, we've had people that have, you know, gone through online courses and started their business that have master's degrees that have spent so much time in one particular spot of their life, whether that's college or whether that's landing their, you know, dream job, job that they've always thought about like you did, who then kind of find themselves in a situation where they're like, oh, this isn't exactly what I was expecting. My life is not turning out exactly how I expected. And I think that it's so easy in those moments to kind of say, well, I've done this for this amount of years. You know, I mean, you had kind of been in the corporate industry for seven, eight, nine years at that point. So it's very easy to say, well, I've done it for this long. I'm just going to stick with it because it's too difficult to start something new. I'm going to be setting myself back. So walk us through what you kind of felt like and what you were thinking when you found the online space, because you took action really quickly and a lot of people don't do that. Yeah, I took actually within two weeks of finding your video, um, which is just still like, what? How How did I just make that jump? But yeah, like I said, in that, in that time when I found your video on TikTok, like many of us did, um, I was content. Like I was – I was happy with my flight attendant. I was content with my flight attendant job. I wasn't happy. I was content. And but I was also in the mindset kind of of doing a little bit of soul searching. So I started doing some more therapy. I uh, went and to my doctor and I started to get on some meds that I needed to get on. Like I was, I was really fighting a lot with depression during that time too. And so there was just a lot of things that I was doing for myself that I was like, okay, I want to get to a place where I'm happy. I want to get to a place where I know that I can get to. And so when I found out, found the online space, had no idea what the virtual assistant was. Um, I did so much. I tried to do research on it. There wasn't too much, but I tried to do as much research as I can. I went back and watched all your videos and essentially I just followed my gut intuition. I connected with you instantly with that one hour call we had. And then I talked to my husband about it. My then fiance, I am thankful I have a really good support system because he didn't even question me. He was just like, 
okay, like within those two weeks of trying to decide like whether I'm going to do this round of this next round of DC or not, it was this conversation I had. I was like, I just, I feel like this is something I need to do. And I've, and, and people, the close group that I told about this too was like, that sounds right up your alley. You've done 10 years of administration. You, you have your, you know, your, you love business. You love the side of things. I just had no idea that the online space offered this opportunity to take it to another level. And so jumped into DCA, uh, or I decided to jump into sign on to DCA two weeks after I found your video. And from there, I just went full force. And I was living in this excitement of I'm starting this new venture. I'm going to start doing what I like to do and love to do, but taking it on a different like level. And so when I was doing after two weeks of, yeah, after two weeks of finding radio, signed up to DCA, a couple of days later, jumped into the digital creatives, um, the, the course, digital course. Um, and I just kind of, I went full force. Like I just, I wasn't stopping and I, my work ethic really just went into full gear and it was, it was, it all went, I feel like it just all went by so fast. <laughs> yeah, it did. And it really does. I feel like it's hard to think about how quickly things can change in the online space because we're all so used to the timeline of years and years of education and years and years of building up, you know, or climbing up the corporate ladder. And I think it shocks all of us a bit how quickly things start to evolve once you really throw yourself into the online space. Um, and how much you change as a person. I mean, I remember our first strategy call that we ever had. And I I think that this is, you know, probably something that you too see now since you're co-coaching in DCA, but the energy shift that takes place in people and the confidence shift is I think one of the most impactful parts of starting a business because your your energy is completely different. You know, it almost seems like you have life in you now as opposed to when we had our first call. A hundred percent. And even because like I said, with how I grew up and my journey in going to school and how I was not just my mental state, but just like how my qualities as a person, how I was really shy and just more closed in and going into this venture really pushed me out of my comfort zone. Um, and brought this new level, this other level of confidence I didn't know I had. And so it's really, I mean, I'm just so thankful to have made that decision to just jump right in. But yeah, I mean, I think I look back to when we were talking about college and that experience is um, I love learning and I'm not saying that college is bad. Like I do think college is good and it's it just for me what I what I realize now is just it the system it almost felt like a one size fits all system and that's just not the case for everybody. I think there's just so many things that so many people within that first year of going to college they try to go back and forth on what they're going to major in. I'm sure so many people in you know, still to this day that go to college their first year, they try to like, they switch their major like how many times, you know? And so I think with that, even with me, when I realized I I wanted to do business and then getting told that I, I shouldn't do business because of my grades at that time, I was in a different state of mind at that time. And doesn't mean I'm not qualified for it. It just means that I needed a different kind of support to be able to move forward. I knew that I could be in business. I had the drive. I had the the work ethic because I look at my work ethic. I always joke around and say I started working when I was like 10 years old because my grandparents owned a food booth and I would work at their food booth at like 10 years old. So work ethic is really instilled with us in our family. And 
And so I looked, so I kind of look at college that way where I'm like, it's just, the system is just not a one size fits all system. And, um, and then that leads us to now to, you know, getting out of, to where we are now. And, or if you didn't finish college or like when you're in that stage of trying to decide what to do and you're trying to get a job, it leads us to thinking, okay, I don't have this degree, so I am not qualified for these jobs. So I am not worthy for, for this pay. And then right. I think that's just like a mindset game. Yeah, it totally is. And I think that the, there's probably a lot of people who, you know, whenever I, I kind of, I just did online school and then I, you know, went to a local community college. So there wasn't like a huge process set in place for actually getting in. It was kind of like, all right, just sign up for these courses. But I think that there's probably a lot of people who maybe didn't excel in middle school or high school because of the way that, like you said, the learning system is set up or because of things that were going on at home. You know, um, I think back to when I was in middle school, I was homeschooled, but I, I really just taught myself. My mom didn't teach me anything because there was so much going on in our home life that was like just upsetting for everyone that that wasn't a huge focus, even though it should have been. And I think there's probably a lot of kids who have had that same experience who maybe grow up in unfortunate circumstances or who, you know, have a, a harder home life who then get to the point where they're like, okay, I'm, I want to go to college. I want to do these things. I want to, you know, further my future and then get told, ah, well, it's not going to work out for you because of this, because of your grades, as if that's truly a measurement of how successful a person could be in life, which is so messed up. And I think that's one of the really cool things about the online space is that obviously there's in any sector of business, no matter what type it is, even if it's online, there's going to be, you know, inherently some issues with it. But one of the issues that usually doesn't present itself in the online space is that you have to have all of these past qualifications. You have to have this GPA or have made these grades. You know, I know people who dropped out of high school and never got their degree who are making six figures in their business now and have never been questioned about it. So I think that's one of the really cool things is that there's no screening process in terms of what, you know, the system thinks your success should have looked like on a line, you know. Yeah, 100%. Because when I look back at to when I first started my business, thinking about what was one of the hardest things for me to to experience or to really go through was it was well self-worth. It was me talking, talking to myself basically and telling myself like, okay, you do have these years of experience. You don't have a bachelor's degree, but you have over 10 years of experience. You have X, Y, and Z. And I, it was just so engraved in my brain that my pay worth what I'm worth, what I'm qualified for is only max $18 an hour. And which is why I stuck for the job that I was in for like seven years. When I was a manager, I was a $15 an hour doing, working overtime. And I thought like, okay, this is like me making it, you know? And so I think we just really get engraved in our brains that um, what we should be paid is what essentially society tells us what we should be paid when, and you discredit all of your work experience, you discredit anything you've learned, anything anything you've self-taught. And which is again, why I love the online space too, because you, if you have the drive, you have the work ethic, you, you go for it and you can do so much. You know you have the potential to help others grow. You know you have the potential to really work with your passion. Then you can get there. And it's, I think it's, um, I'm forgetting the term, but you're not, I'm totally forgetting the term. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still hung up on the $15 an hour thing. So it's like, uh, I, don't, I don't understand that how that whole um, system in terms of what people should be paid is even created because it's not a livable wage. 
Like it's just, it's not at all, especially if you're living by yourself and paying all of your own bills. It's like, you're usually coming out negative if you're making anything less than $20 an hour. And even sometimes then it's just, I don't, I don't understand how people expect people to live on, on that wage. But, um, so you are, you're, you know, working as a flight attendant and you also started your business. I remember when you were in DCA, you were still juggling the two. Um, and so tell us what that was like trying to kind of manage an unpredictable schedule in terms of, you know, flying and having to maybe fly at night or at weird hours, plus managing client work and trying to communicate that with them. Because I think one of people's biggest fears in starting a business while still having a nine to five is that they have to immediately quit their nine to five and then start their business. I don't think that it's really understood a lot of times that you can have the two coexist until you're at the point where you can quit your nine to five. Yes. If you are working a nine to five and you're starting a venture business, use that to your advantage. A hundred percent use that to your advantage because now you have two sources of income. And especially in the beginning, it's not going to be easy. It's I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It's not going to be easy. Um, it might not even seem sustainable, but I, for me personally, I took every pocket of time that I had when I was a flight attendant to do my VA business. So whether that was, we had, um, we call these, these turns. So when we'd fly somewhere, we have 30 minutes and then we have to fly back to where we came from. So I would have like 15 minutes max to just get a little bite in, sit in the plane. I wouldn't go anywhere. I would take my laptop out, work in those 15 minutes as I'm eating my bar and put my laptop back, do what I can on my phone. And then people would jump on the plane to start boarding. I would take every single pocket of time. I would come back after a flight, back to the hotel, do a couple hours. So late nights, early mornings. And I also prepared my my husband, my 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 support system. I let I let them I let him know I'm like, I'm gonna be working a lot and this is what I need from you and this is how I can be best supported. So if you are managing two jobs too, I recommend talking to your support system or people that are around you because it's going to be a different lifestyle that you're going to be living in. Um, you're going to be managing a lot. And he knew that he, he knew that I wanted to really go all out in this. So he was again, so supportive during that time and still to this day, but essentially you take every time you can to do your VA business and again, it can be tiring. I also kind of realized that I really didn't have a social life <laughs> during that time because I was just so on weekends or I mean, I didn't really have weekends, but like on my days off, it would be me working on my job, on my VA business. So I really took every pocket of time. And then with that, I was with those two sources of income. I was not paying myself with my VA uh, business the first couple of months, I was putting all that money back into why, what I invested in. So I listed all the things, DCA, any course I bought, everything I listed that I was investing in. And I summed it up. I'm like, okay, this is how much I'm going to put back into my business. Everything else is going to go to taxes and then everything else is going to go to savings. So I was building up this savings account that was almost like my cushion for when I wanted to leave my nine to five um, just in case anything happened. You know, when you, if, you if I happen to have a low month or something happened, you never know. So you have – I basically separated my source of income into those three different spots, taxes, putting, putting it back to what I invested in and savings. So for the first four months, that was that was what I was doing. And then started DCA the beginning of December. I knew that my goal by the end of the month, I wanted to resign from my flight attendant job. And it felt right. It felt good because I also, again, had prepared my finances X, Y, and Z. I had talked to my uh, husband and I set myself up so that I can go f do my VA business full time because I knew that I was going to, if I knew 
I was doing it part-time basically, my VA business within those four months. And the amount of growth I was seeing at part-time, I was like, what? Like how, why, how are these business owners that are well, either well-known in their industry or uh, have over five years of experience in their in their business coming to me to be their VA. Like what? I was just mind blown. And so at that point at December, I had doubled my corporate income and I was like, okay, I know this is the time. And it wasn't even like, oh, new year and new me. It was just really timing was just December. And, and so that's, I think I put in my two weeks, two weeks before Christmas, I put in my two weeks and from then on, yeah, went full, went full force. Yeah, it was, it was really fast. You were moving really quick, <laughs> um, <laughs> which like we said, it can totally happen in the online space. And I think that, you know, it's, it's like you said, it seems unsustainable for a certain amount of time. And it definitely is that it, I think something to keep in mind is that whenever you're in a nine to five and you're also starting, you know, a business on the side, of course, there are people who kind of have a really slow build with their business and use it to kind of fund other things or fund reinvesting back in the business. But if you are starting a business with, with the intention of, okay, I want to be out of my nine to five as quickly as possible. I think that you have to almost view it as something like marathon training or something where for a specific consolidated amount of time, you are going to be probably a little overwhelmed, probably working more than you normally would like to, but you're doing that all with a specific goal in mind, which is to be able to leave the corporate job or whatever is tying you to a schedule and a life that you don't enjoy to then be able to have a business that you've worked on building up that does allow you to have free time and does allow you to travel. And I think that if you know anyone is listening to this right now and is in that position, coming up with a plan like you did is something that can really take away a lot of the fear because usually whenever we're scared, you know, not always, but a lot of times fear comes from just not knowing, not knowing what will happen, not knowing what our path looks like. So having a plan like you did, you know, okay, I'm going to do this for this amount of time. This is my goal of when I want to be out of my nine to five. This is how much I want to save up before I leave my nine to five so that I do have that cushion room. It really helps everything become so much more realistic and within within grasp rather than, oh God, how long am I going to be able to run on this hamster wheel of working a nine to five and trying to build up a business on the side? So I love that you had a plan going into it. Super important. I think that's, we hear that a lot too in DCA is that question of like, how will I know? Or like, how will I know I won't, you know, lose everything after I resign my nine to five? I won't have that security. You don't. You really, you can't predict the future. You don't know what's going to happen with your business. But if we only make our decisions on that, then we're just stopping ourselves from growth. We're stopping ourselves from our full potential. And I can guarantee you, if you are someone that puts in the drive, that puts in the work ethic to anything you do, you are going, it's going to come back tenfold. And I knew I had that passion. I had that passion. I had that drive, and I was leading with that. If you lead with that, then it's it's going to work out. But again, it's, it's just those fears that hold us back, and that sense of not having that security. I totally understand. I completely understand. So many people going to DCA are, again, full time college students or full time parents or we're all in a different situation. So everyone has their own story, but honestly, it's it, the drive and that passion and that work ethic. You really, it really hold yourself accountable to a lot of those things. I agree. So whenever you, uh, you had a lot of experience kind of in the corporate world and probably a lot of things that you pulled over into your business, but what did your what does your business kind of look like now versus when you first started and how did kind of the fear of not having enough experience in the services that you offer come into play how did you get over that fear 
Yeah, that fear, I think at that time, by by four months, by the time that I was dedicated to resigning from my flight attendant job, I think that's when I was able to really talk through that self-worth fear uh, and build a level of confidence. Um, but now my business it's a a lot can happen in a year. (laughs) That's for sure. Um, but I did start out as a virtual assistant and I, within, from then to now, I started going through all the services that I was offering my clients and I was focusing on the things that I felt passionate for, focusing on the things that I love to do that wasn't just getting me or wasn't just getting my clients results, but also things that I was just, I wanted to learn more about and I wanted to continue growing. So I essentially narrowed down my services um, one year later to mostly marketing. So now I solely work with social media, with Pinterest, with blogging, and basically digital marketing for uh, business owners and looking at to where I was then, to where I am now. I love what I do now. I loved what I did then, but I love even more what I do now because I have really niched down to the services that I work with, to the people that I work with. So now I work with photographers, editorial wedding creatives, um, some brand and website designers, and I've really been able to put my focus into this passion and into this, I call it like an umbrella niche, umbrella bucket of different services that all work really well together. And um, and then I can offer my clients with, with results. And yeah, that's kind of like basically where I am now with my business. Yeah. I always think it's so cool to see the transformation that happens. Obviously, like you said, a lot can happen in the year in a year, but it's so cool to see how you kind of eventually really start to hone in on what you love and what you want to offer. And that is ultimately what really helps you scale your business in general. So something else I would love to touch on, which you kind of mentioned earlier um, throughout you know, kind of growing up and then even, you know, in the past few years as well is struggling with mental health and depression. And I think that what's maybe not talked about enough is how difficult it is to deal with that in any business, but especially when you are in a corporate job where your schedule and your time really is not your own. Um, And oftentimes you aren't, you know, maybe making enough to be able to take care of yourself in those ways. So um, I would love to hear about how, you know, how, what that looks like for you now compared to when you were working overtime or working multiple jobs at once. I'm I'm a completely different person than when I was then to where I am now in the sense of my mindset, my mindset and my mental health. My work ethic is still the same. I love keeping busy. I'm the kind of person that when I was working a night five or it was uh, all my years of that, of that experience, whenever it got really busy, I loved it. I thrived in it. I loved the madness. And I was through that madness, I was able to keep almost like a sense of calm. And people are like, how are you so calm when we have a line out the door? I'm like, I love it. And so I really thrive in, in keeping busy. But mental, mentally, back then, Um, when you're doing something that you don't love or when you're doing something that you feel that it's, it's, you're not meant for on top of dealing with any sort of mental health, it's, it's just, it's like, you're not, you're not experiencing life. You're not experiencing life to your fullest potential. And I think back then, when I was going through all these mental health things, I was also so focused on just trying to get by, trying to w- work through my job, make money because I needed to financially, you know, make a living that I wasn't putting any energy or work into myself. So now 
fast forward to 2020, the year where I really made some changes, um, the time that I decided to start my business and do some therapy work, do some self, some self love work, just really get into myself. I basically allowed myself to be like, okay, you can take time to go inward and figure out what's going on, what's making you so unhappy. And I think when we're in just that mindset of like, I need to go and clock out, go and clock out, we really don't take the time to, to figure out what's going on inward. And it can be very weighing on us. It can be also really weighing on the people around us. So I think for me too, part of my growth and my self like love and um, trying to figure out myself that journey. I was also trying to do it for the sake of our relationship, my husband and I relationship. And so there was just all these different parts of me. I'm like, okay, I want to live this life where I am not sad any sad all the time. And that too. So I think about being a flight attendant, it was my dream job. I thought that being a flight attendant, once I got it, I would be so happy. I would be, it would change everything when it didn't is when I was like, okay, it's not what I'm doing on the outside. It's not what I'm, my day-to-day life. It's what's going on in the inside that I need to change and I need to focus on and I need to work on. And that's really what it came down to as far as prioritizing my mental health and now living being able to really do that, being able to have morning routines, being able to have nighttime routines, being able to take the time I need to, if I need to take a nap in the middle of the day, because I just can't keep my eyes open. I can do that and not be, not be looked down or reprimanded from it. You know, it it just, it's a whole different world that I feel like I'm living in. Yeah. I, I love that. And I feel like, you know, um, we don't take the time to look inward, like you said, a lot of the times because we sometimes we don't have the time, like with a nine to five, you know. Um, I think that we're very similar in a lot of ways, and I love being busy as well. And I was also the type of person who just like whenever it would get super busy at work, I was like, Yes, this is my, you know, this is my zone that I like to be in. But, you know, on the flip side of that, I think that sometimes we kind of use that grind and that like, okay, let's constantly be busy as a means of almost like self-destructive behavior. And I think that that's what I found myself doing a lot whenever I was, you know, working constantly as much as I possibly could was, okay, this is a distraction from the way that I'm feeling inside and the things that I'm struggling with. And, you know, the only thing kind of keeping me holding on is the fact that I can look forward to like this time off or this, you know, trip that I'm going to be taking. And then all of a sudden it'll be the last day of that trip. And I'll kind of go back into that, just like you said, clock in, clock out. And so I think that one of the really cool things about having a business is that it almost forces you to slow down in a way, even though, you know, having a business is really hard work. And of course there's still going to be days where it's like, all right, I'm just grinding this out for 12 hours because I have to. But for the most part, you have a lot of time. You have a lot of time to yourself that you didn't have before to do things that you really enjoy. And you're almost forced to slow down in a way and kind of start to, like you said, address the things that you were just probably kind of putting a Band-Aid over before and and hustling through or whatever you want to call it, which I think is is really cool. Like I think that it's it's amazing that having a business can kind of allow you to grow yourself as a person as well and also give you the, you know, ability to be able to spend your money in that way, to go to a therapist. You know, there were so many, I mean, from, you know, basically my whole life, I always had wanted to go to therapy. There was a lot of of like trauma that I knew I was holding on to. And there were a lot of, you know, things that I had struggled with when I was younger, like self-harm and depression and whatever that I knew were like just sitting inside of me causing this constant tension. But I could never afford to go to a therapist. I didn't have health insurance. Mm -hmm. So it was just kind of like, all right, well, I guess I'll try to figure this out on my own. And Mm -hmm. usually that doesn't work. So (laughs) having a business, I think, brings the, you know, 
privilege of being able to spend your money in that way and being able to put yourself first versus constantly working to, you know, make someone else richer, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. And again, keep in mind anyone listening, because you're a year, how far in your business are you? A year and a half now? Two years. Yep. Uh, actually, yeah. we're coming up on two years in March. Mm-hmm. Crazy. So you're almost two years into your business. I'm, I'm close to a year and a half into my business. So we've really worked for this time. And again, in the beginning, you it's not it doesn't seem sustainable. It doesn't seem feasible yes. that you're going to be able to get that time. So mm-hmm. in the beginning, you're really working hard. But we've now now are what we can experience is we've really worked for that time. And now we're able to build that time of self-care um, into our business, in, into our daily lives, because we realize that we need that in order to, to have a sustainable business because it's all, it's all a circle. It's all a cycle. So I think it's really important to keep that in mind as well. Yeah, it definitely is. It's not easy. I think that (laughs) I get so many TikTok comments of, you know, people saying, oh my God, everyone makes this look so easy. And it is not. It's put it on the record books. And we're saying it's not easy because it really isn't. Oh my God. No, I remember when you, when I first, when we had our first call and I asked you about making 9k months and you were totally real with me you're like well i worked like over 40 50 hours and i mm-hmm. a week and i don't recommend doing that yeah and and i loved i loved that i loved how real you were yeah. with me and i think i just resonated with you so so easily when we had that first call so um, I think it also that really helped my business venture is having a support mm-hmm. and a community of people on the online space because realistically, people not on the online space aren't really going to know what you're doing, aren't going to be able to comprehend it at first, and that's okay. You don't need to explain your whole situation to everybody because you're working on yourself, you're working on your business. But having a community people on the online space that I could talk to and I could ask questions about, I could uh, just vent to as well. It's very, it's a very um, fulfilling thing when you're starting out your business and having that support, which is also why I loved DCA and because it was like we had, or you had, we had you as a coach, but then we also had everybody else that was like almost like self-sustainable to to asking questions to how Slack worked. So I think that's really that, that's a really big part of my 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 business journey as well. Yeah, community is super important and because it's so easy to just be <laughs> like to become isolated and you know, you're spending so much time because you're super excited about this new business, but you're also learning all of these new things. Like, sure, I had, you know, like you said, I had 36 hours of client work, but then I'm spending, you know, 10 hours a week learning things and then you're also working on your own business. So it's like the work work never stops when you own your own business to an extent and your mind is constantly going. So it is a lot of work and you will be putting in the hours and you will be spending a lot of time learning. But I think that, you know, obviously you have to be careful with that and, you know, you will come to a point where you're really able to manage your time a lot better. But whenever you're doing that for yourself and doing that for something you really love, it doesn't feel like you're working that much. You know, whenever I was at uh, my chiropractic office job, I really liked my boss. I I really, you know, it wasn't a bad job, but I just remember counting down the hours and just like dreading having to wake up. And now it's, I enjoy being able to work. And it's interesting that we've kind of made that a like, um, oh, you're you're so spoiled. You shouldn't work. Shouldn't be fun. And that's just not the case. That's <laughs> that's that's no. not true. I don't you know know why we keep perpetuating that concept because it doesn't have to be like that. Right. It should be a norm to love what you do, to love to go back to work. I I whenever I take time off, I'm excited to get back on my computer and talk to the clients I work with and catch up with them and do what I do. Like I genuinely love what I do and it's just so it's so not the norm. It's so 
it's so out of what we're used to. It's sort of what we're programmed to think. So I think it's, yeah, I, I feel the same way. So what does your, I'm interested to know what, what your family thinks of all this. I know you said that they are super supportive, um, but I would love, you know, to kind of have some insight into that because I assume, you know, moving here from Peru is something that was difficult and a huge shift in your life. And, you know, you talk a lot about your background and what that means to you, which I love. And so I'm interested to hear more kind of about how that kind of impacted you being here and then impacts you being in the online space and also kind of what your family thinks of all of this. Cause I know a lot of times family is like, what is happening? What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. And I think it really didn't hit them until I went full time because I was, I went into this and I still had, you know, the security of my flight attendant job. And I think one, I look back in and realize, or when I look back and think, if I would have stayed in Peru, like if I would have not come to the U.S., would I have the opportunities I do now? Would I know what what's out there like I do now? Probably not. Uh, and that's something that I don't take for granted ever. I'm always so thankful for the decisions my grandparents made and this this huge shift in all of our lives. And so in thinking that, and when I meet these people in DCA that we're coaching, and especially because we meet people from all over the world, I think to what kind of resources they have or what kind of resources I would have if I was there. And I think for my family, very pretty traditional. We're very um, – yeah, pretty traditional and very used to just the norms. Um, so I think starting a new business for them, they were supportive, but it wasn't really connecting, I don't think. Um, and my family's support means everything to me. We are really, really close. But I did have to put a bit of my blinders on for not just my family, but for everybody. In order for me to move forward with this, I did have to put my blind my blinders on. Um, regardless, it's important not just because that's just how my brain needed to work to be able to move forward is not think about what other people are going to think about of me or or what or the outcome or anything. I just needed to just fully concentrate. So I. So yeah, I think, you know, the resources that they have that I would have had there is just not the same to what I have now. And my now to where I am now, my family is always like so so proud of me, reaches out, sends me texts like you're doing amazing and and my brother also. I think I was I got a little less um, pushback because my brother started a venture, a business venture, which is why I think there's entrepreneurship runs my family because he started his business like a, two years ago. He moved to LA. He was like the first one to just out of in our family to move outside of the city and because we all grew up in Eugene. So he moved to LA a couple of years back and then he started doing his own business with uh, with production and like is works as a producer there and things like that. And so I think he probably got more of the heat than I did. Um, but uh, but essentially now I I mean I just I'm kind of in, I'm in a position and I even four months into my into my job, I was just kind of in a position where I'm like, you know, it's if I have support, amazing. If I don't, that's okay. If you don't understand what I do, that's okay. And I was just kind of in this mindset of I'm going to stick to my, to what I'm confident in. And if I get pushback for what I do, it's my life, not theirs. And I really had to kind of make that disconnection because I think growing up, like I said, I lived a lot of life where I was in this mindset that I needed to fulfill their goals. I needed to fulfill their life. And I think many of us too, growing up, we have that pressure from our parents 
But once I kind of disassociated myself from that and move forward to I'm making my life for myself, for my family that I want to grow one day, then then things started to change. My mindset started to change. So I do have the support of my family and I'm very, very thankful. But it can be an adjustment at first and and you just kind of put your blinders on and you get through that adjustment and that's it's going to be okay. <laughs> Yeah, I think that, you know, I'm the first one, uh, first person to be like, you know, just, it doesn't matter what other people say. And it's, you know, it's, of yeah. course, always frustrating whenever your family doesn't understand or, you know, especially there's a lot of people who are in that position where their parents are like, no, you're going to college. And I think that something that's really important, you know, like you said, is to put your blinders on anytime you've made the decision and you're moving forward with it. But I think something else that's kind of comforting to think about is the fact that, you know, this is such a new thing, the online space. Like we all, we grew up around it. So it's like, yeah, of course, but it is still relatively very new. And a lot of our parents, a lot of our grandparents don't understand that, you know, it just doesn't make sense to them. And I think that, you know, if any of you are out there struggling with that or, you know, kind of struggling with, you know, there's a lot of different things that this can be applied to as far as dealing with family, but kind of just telling yourself they did the best they could and they're doing the best that they could with the knowledge that they have. I mean, even thinking about like your grandparents making the decision to immigrate here from another country, like that is far more revolutionary than starting a business online, you know? (laughs) That's a crazy decision to make that kind of flowed down into the rest of of their family that was probably really terrifying for them. So I think that it's, I think it's just kind of, you know, comforting to know like that all of our family is to an extent doing, you know, the best that they can and the best they can to understand as well. And there's, I mean, my family and, a lot of times they just don't even ask. They're like, all right, yeah, that's that thing that they're doing, whatever that is. <laughs> your dad, though, oh, my gosh. Everyone on TikTok loves your dad. <laughs> he is a, he is so funny. He re- I was doing a live the other day, and he accidentally requested to join it, and everybody was like, bring him on. <laughs> <laughs> Stop. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. So um, this was uh, amazing. I do want to ask you one last question before we kind of wrap things up. Um, and that's obviously, you know, if there's anything that you could say to anyone who is maybe in a nine to five considering starting a business or is, you know, about to make that transition and they're kind of in the heat of it, um, what would it be? So I've been reading a lot of books or trying (laughs) to read a lot of books this year. And one of the books, I think it's, it's the tiny dragon and the big panda. And it's just a book, a bunch of quotes that are, it's like the most simple book you could probably read in 20 minutes, but it has so many really good quotes. And one of the quotes that I loved was, uh, one of them asking, what is the biggest waste of time? in life or something like that. And then the answer was comparing yourself to other people. And I think that I just took and I screenshot it. I shared it with so many people because when you're starting a business, uh, kind of in the long lines that we were talking about putting our blinders on, not only are you going to get thoughts from other people or you are going to you know, compare yourself to someone that got that degree and and living there successfully their corporate life or and things like that but you're also going to compare yourself to people on the online space so you're there's a lot of comparison done in the beginning stages it's hard not to it, it's hard not to go down that hole it really is but it's just so when you when you can get to a point when you're like okay I'm I don't need a spend hours and hours on looking at what other people are doing, thinking to myself, why am I not there yet? Um, Just fully comparing. When you get to a space space in your head where you can kind of push those away, the amount of growth that happens within yourself and your business is just amazing. And I think that's something that I realized and I – really try to work on as early on as I could because whenever I 
find myself in that comparison game. Like I still do every now and then. Like it's it's just it's hard not to. Um, and I change that mindset and that perspective to comparing rather to uh, supporting and being like, you know, they're doing amazing and I'm going to support what they do and I'm going to do amazing things too. So I think that's kind of my biggest piece of advice for anyone starting their business and in in those years, especially in the very beginning, but even throughout through where you are now, I'm sure. Because like I said, I'm sure many of us, even us coaches, still compare ourselves. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. All the time. I This kind of ties into, into that, but um, obviously my friend Erica, who you know, um, that also guest speaks in DCA, one of the exercises that she had the students do one time was to think about someone who you constantly compare yourself to or who you are maybe a bit jealous of or you really wish that you were accomplishing some of the things that they are and send them a really kind message about the things that you admire about them. And I was like, whoa. (laughs) I I thought that was so such a cool thing to think about because it kind of turns it into like, oh, I really wish I was doing this. I'm jealous of that person. Like, And the bitterness, you you can turn that into, I actually see some of myself in this person and this is what I admire. And I want to tell them that and speak that into the universe and hopefully attract more of that, you know, towards myself. So everybody who's listening, go do that with five people yeah. that you're, you're comparing yourself How to right now. How did I not know about this? I love that because that is a practice that I started doing with myself throughout this year of yeah. of trying to figure out this comparison thing that goes on in your head. That was a practice that I instilled. I'm like, okay, anytime I start to compare myself to someone, I'm going to either comment on something on their post and be mm-hmm. like, amazing job for this or reach out to them or just do something, turn that negative thought into a positive and then continue doing it, continue doing what I'm doing. Like just continue on my path because oh. all I'm doing is just stopping myself from continuing moving forward. My comparison to other people isn't serving me in any way, isn't serving them. It's not serving anybody. It's just a mindset game. And so let's pause, turn it into a positive and keep moving forward. Yep. Create more than you consume. Create more than you compare. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, this was awesome, Alina. I feel like this is going to be so helpful to people who are we covered a lot of topics, so it's going to be helpful to we a lot of different did. people, but especially people who are in that nine to five, you know, um, part of their life and are having to make some some big monumental decisions. So let everyone know where they can find you on social media. Uh, it's Carolina Del Pilar. I'm on Instagram, uh, Facebook, Pinterest. I'm also on LinkedIn, which is something Ooh, that people are on, but I love LinkedIn. <laughs> I did that a while back and I think it's a lot. I'm seeing it now more on the online space is LinkedIn, but. Oh my gosh. I've had, free. I've had create a LinkedIn on my to-do list for like months and I'm like, I don't know if I can do it. Okay. <laughs> Okay, we'll get on a FaceTime. We'll do it together. It's I had yeah. showed Courtney how to do it too. I was like, get on LinkedIn now. So it's so easy. It's so easy. But yeah, just anywhere in the online space, welcome to reach out. Even if you just want to chat about starting up and any mindset things, any nine to five. I'm here. And then, of course, DCA. (laughs) Yep. You can uh, join DCA and see Carolina all the time. (laughs) All the time. (laughs) We'll also put all of her handles in the show notes. But thank you so much, Carolina. (laughs) Thank you, Jess. Thank you so much. Love you. Thank you so much. Of course. Love you, too. Bye, everyone. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Digital State of Mind podcast. I am your host, Jessica Hawks, and I am so happy to have you here. Follow along with us on Instagram at the Digital State of Mind so that we can stay connected with you and get your feedback on what you want to hear on the show. I know everyone says this, but we're serious, okay? <laughs> Talk to you next time.